Mr. Benfica is a production of the PTB Media Network. All rights reserved. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, CastBox, Overcast, Himalaya, Pod Paradise, TuneIn, Breaker, and now available on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and also on Audible for Amazon Prime subscribers. As always, select episodes available on YouTube and, of course, at www.mrbenfica.com. Please like, share, and rate the show on your preferred platform. Enjoy the show. Benfica Nation, welcome to another episode of Mr. Benfica. I'm your host, as always, the Mr. Mike Agustinu here with you on a Thursday night this time, at least here on the East Coast of the United States. It is Thursday night, and uh, I've got a lot to talk about tonight. I'm going to try to not waste a lot of time. I'm going to try to get right into it because, as you know, I've haven't had a show in a couple of weeks, uh, I think in about two weeks or so. So we got a lot to catch up on. We got three men's football matches to talk about tonight, plus a lot of catching up to do with the women's football team as well. Uh, I'm going to do that all tonight, and I'm going to get started with just a few shout-outs to start this out. Okay, men's volleyball gets a shout-out for winning the Portuguese Cup. Once again, another Kaneku, another Trophy for the Cosme Damião Museum at the Estadio de Luz. Men's basketball gets a huge shout-out as well. Beating Porto 99-74 last weekend. And that highlight reel of an alley-oop. I have <laughs> I shared it everywhere. Um, it is Ivan Almeida dunking on Porto. A reverse alley-oop. It was fantastic. And... Of course, uh, Max Landis getting thrown out of the match is even better, um, and he is uh, he is quickly uh, quickly blocking Benficistas on Twitter now. That Max Landis, the point guard for Football Club Deportes, their American point guard, yeah, he likes to dish it out, but he does not like to hear it. Um, also, there is a little bit of news that I do want to spend just a minute talking about um, in the world of of 
athletics or as we call it here in the United States, track and field. Uh, European Indoor Championships, a new Portuguese record, and another European title to Benfica's triple jumper, Pedro Pablo Pichardo. Once again, he wins back-to-back now. Second year in a row, he is the indoor European champion in the event uh, that took place in Istanbul. And once again, he breaks the Portuguese indoor record, this time jumping 17.60 meters Enough to win, like we said, win the gold medal to break the Portuguese record. And it has sparked some beef with one of our former triple jumper of a decade ago, Nelson Evora, still hanging on there. Um, trying to stay relevant, in my opinion, trying to stay relevant by taking shots at, at uh, Pichardo, at, at, Pablo, at Pedro Pablo Pichardo, and um, uncalled for, of course. And Pichardo feels like. The club has not really come to his defense, and he thought that they would. He even said to the press, I read it in My Football today, that he feels it's as if he's not even a member of the club. So I hope that somebody at the club will make an official statement in his defense. Okay, um, He has never... He, he, you have this Nelson Evra who is just obsessed with Pichardo right now because until Pedro Pichardo defected from Cuba, came to Portugal... Embraced the uh, embraced Portugal, embraced Benfica, and went on to break all these records and win all of these medals for Portuguese athletics. Um, Nelson Evra was the golden child, and he he was you know thought of as the greatest. He had all the records. He doesn't have any records anymore. He doesn't have Benfica records. He doesn't have Portuguese records. Okay, they all belong to Pedro Pablo Pichardo, and I think it it is burning Nelson Evra, and it's sad to say. Um, I used to look up to Nelson Evra. For those of you that don't know, this was my other sport that uh, I competed in as a kid. I competed in track and field. I even coached. It. I coached the tri- the triple jump was one of the events I actually coached, and it's my favorite event in the entire sport of of athletics or track and field, as I call it. And uh, Nelson Evra w- w- was huge because I was coaching at that time when he was winning Olympic gold medals for Portugal as a Benfica athlete. And he decided to switch it up. He couldn't stay here. He decided to go to Sporting. And uh, it was at a time when everyone was defecting to Sporting. Fabio Quintron, Jorge Jesus, <laughs> uh, Nelson Evra, so on and so on. In various sports, we were losing athletes to Sporting. Sporting was investing heavily in their in their modalidades at that time, in their modalities, in the other sports, their Olympic sports. Um, they ended up, ended up, you know, coming under a lot of financial hardship for that type of investment. But Nelson Evra burned his burned his bridges with Benfica, no question about it. And now we got someone better and. Uh, yeah, they, you can you can Google it, read it for yourself if you want out there. But I want to give a shout-out to Pichardo. He's my guy. He wears our badge, okay? He jumps for us. And um, keep on going. 18 meters is his goal. He wants to continue competing until he reaches his goal of 18 meters. So um, shout-out to him. Continue working and, um, you know, it, it, keep working for it. it. It will come. It make if it doesn't come, you will. He will know that he gave his entire career to this. He has actually jumped eighteen meters before, but he jumped it uh, running for, or competing for Cuba. He wants to do it now for Portugal. So hopefully, uh, we see that happen. Um, so I just wanted to hit on that for a moment, and now we can get right into the football. Okay, uh, I'm not gonna play. Conquista tonight. I'm going to get right into the football. Okay, the first match we're going to talk about 
Uh, we're going to go back to the Fumily Co match. Um, it was played back oh, not that long ago, a week ago, but it seems longer because, well, we've played so many matches. And um, it, w- it was a little over. It was actually two weeks ago from uh, today, if you're, if you're listening to this on Friday. So it was actually two weeks ago today, but it was Friday, March the 3rd. Um, a 9.15 Portuguese standard time kickoff at the Stadio de Luz. Another uh, late kickoff. Despite that, a crowd of 56,995. Very, very healthy crowd came out to the Stadio de Luz for this one. Benfica versus Famalicão. This was round number 23 of the Liga Portugal. And the lineups looked like this in this one. Starting with the visitors, uh, Famalicão managed by João Pedro Souza. Uh, he had his goalkeeper. It was Luis Jr., the Brazilian goalkeeper, starting for him. His right back on the night was Alexandre Penetra with the center back pairing of Riccelli, the Brazilian, and the Albanian Inea Mihaj. And the left back would be Francisco Moura. In midfield, a double pivot with uh, Zaidou Youssef, a French midfielder, partnering with... An Argentinian Santiago Colombato. Those were the two playing in the double pivot in midfield behind a, uh, an attacking uh, midfield three. The In the number 10 position is the talented Portuguese player Ivo Rodriguez. And he would have to his right Leandro Sanca and to his left Ivan Jaime with the striker the Brazilian Pablo starting in front of them. For Benfica, they come out in a 4-2-3-1. Roger Schmidt suspended for this match due to the red card uh, in Vizela. His assistant took over for this match. Jans Vissing, uh, the first assistant, took over. Jans has a has a very, uh, a very captivating story, actually. He's a former player of Roger Schmidt's way back at Paderborn um, and then had career-ending injury. Reconnected with his former manager, uh, later became became his assistant, and he has been with Roger Schmidt now. At he he was with him at I believe at Red Bull Salzburg, at PSV, and now here at Benfica. Uh, no surprises in the lineup, however. Uh, we go with the goalkeeper, of course, Odi Vlakodimos starting in goal. The right back was Alexander Ba, Otamendi, and Tony Silva, the center defense pair with Grimaldo, a guy who's in the form of his career right now, Grimaldo as the left wing back, the double pivot in midfield as expected, Auschnitz and Florentino Luis, now uh, Chiquinho injured for this match, did not start, actually did not even dress, he's not even on the substitutes bench for this one, no, he was injured, he he missed this one through injury, and um, the three in front of the double pivot, of course, Rafa playing in the number 10 position with Joao Mario and Nedish in there as well, the three of them all very interchangeable, which is what makes them so dangerous, and they're playing behind the very informed striker, Gonzalo Ramos, who picked up a man of the match performance in this one, two goals for Gonzalo Ramos, all right, he'd score in the 36th and in the 90th, plus three, uh, this was a match that I think Befica played very, very well after the match, I did catch the flash interview of of um, the family Count coach, João Pedro Souza, and, you know, he said that they really wanted to come out and play against Benfica. It didn't look like it. It looked like 
like uh, Fumbly Cone was sitting in deep, low-lying blocks, but he explained that what was happening was they just could not get anything going. Benfica's recovery of the ball after losing it was was spectacular in this match, and he said that they just did not let them come out. We did have we did see one good opportunity go to the visitors. By the way, of Sanka, he came down the right, cut in on his left, and and fired one that went just just over the bar, if my memory serves me correctly. But aside from that, it was a pretty dominating performance for the home side for Benfica with 64% possession in this one uh, to Famalicão's 36. You got an XG of 1.83. Benfica outperformed that with two goals. Uh, 19 total shots from Benfica to 7 for Famalicão. 15 uh, chances created for Benfica to 6 for Famalicão. In big chances or, you know, on goal uh, opportunities, Benfica scored both of them. There was a great efficiency here. And uh, in accurate passes, Benfica with an astounding 572 accurate passes for a success rate of 90%. Um, even Family Cohen had themselves a good match in that realm with 79% pass success. Um it was just a match where it was what we've seen all year. It's just a matter of time until Benfica can break down the opponent, until Benfica can get that first goal. They get it here in the 36th, as we said, by way of Gonzalo Ramos. And he he had himself a good game, and he just does something that, you know, is very hard to to teach, and he just puts himself... These are strikers' goals. He just puts himself in the right place to get to get on the ball and to score. And I'm looking at the, the second goal was a, was a brilliant rebound that he followed all the way through. And he just, this, this kid is just evolving and just growing into a very, very deadly forward. Okay. We used to see that, you know, he, he did X, Y, and Z, but he wasn't good on the ball or he didn't create his own space. He's, he's doing it now. He is creating space. He is finding the, the places he needs to be getting on the end of balls, getting right near, you know, and finding those tight angles between the goalkeeper and the post, for example, or between the defenders, and he and he's one-timing the ball on goal. He doesn't need a lot of touches. I, I really like how his game is evolving. Um, we keep hearing about teams being interested in him. He's being linked. This is the never-ending nightmare of a Benfica is once our players start to play well, the sharks start swimming in the water, right? The water gets shark infested and they smell blood. And, you know, we're hearing that 100 million euro number being thrown out once again, right? We're hearing it. And I can see why. He doesn't need many opportunities. He's still not a, a refined enough striker to where you can say he only needs one opportunity to score and you can count on him for that. But he's getting there. He's getting there. And... I really want to see this kid play live. Those of you that obviously live in Portugal and that attend these matches have the privilege of doing this. I want to sit, you know, in the, you know, in the in the high up section up in the balcony where I like to sit at matches and I just want to watch this kid's movements off the ball. I want to watch what he does when he's not around the ball and just how he gets himself open because his movements and his vision has just grown leaps and bounds this season. 
and he's just not he's not just a kid with a strong body that can that can fire a shot anymore he can he can take the ball we've seen him create goals by faking the shot and putting it on his weak foot back on his strong foot we've seen him score with with the toe poke we've seen him score with with you know a nice wind up shot we've seen him score one timing it you know appearing in the box we've seen him score headers we've seen him score tap-ins this guy is a striker's striker and Again, there was a statistic that I saw at some point. Um, he's got twenty-three, I believe, twenty-three goals in all competitions this season. Sixteen of them in and around the six-yard box or the goal area. Okay, the small box. Um, that is a striker. That is a poacher. That is a goal scorer. This is a guy any team would want. Benfica um, need to hang on to this guy for another season. I would love to see him hang on for another season. Um, there's no limit to what we can do. And the amount of growth we're going to see in this guy in the next year is, is, could be just even more, you know, astronomical out of the stratosphere. When we look at our players that move on, especially goal scorers. We see the adjustment period that Darwin is having at Liverpool, right? He's starting to find it now, and he's starting to to score his goals. He's coming along here in the last third of the season, right? And I do believe that had he stayed another year, he would have had uh, he would have gone for even more this year. He would have he would have scored. He would have been doing basically um well, if he had stayed, he probably wouldn't. We wouldn't have. I don't think we'd have David Nesh, to be honest with you. If he had stayed, he would have been running down that left channel the way, the way you know. Um, David Nesh does sometimes, or João Mario. It would have been a different game. I don't know that he could have played in a three the way that that Nesh, João Mario, and Rafa do. Um, he 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 may not have even fit in this system. But let's just say for a moment that he had stayed and that we had the two of these guys playing at the same time uh they would have each scored 20 goals this year they would have each had they would have gone one two in the scoring race in my opinion because defenses would not be able to know what to do with them um if they focus on one the other is going to be open the way they were combining together and starting to combine last season um I think it could have been, you know, a really explosive year. Now, the good side is we got the year we're having, and we have the perfect team for the system we play. That said, if what I'm tr- the point I'm trying to get to is if Gonzalo hangs on another year, okay, I know it's a lot of money, and I know it's tempting, and, you know, Benfica just reported losses for quarter four of 2022, of course, selling a player for 127 million in the first quarter of 2023 uh, kind of takes care of that. But uh, from a footballing standpoint, okay, and sticking to football, which is very hard to do, especially for these players, but this guy seems to have a good head on his shoulders. Okay. His father was a footballer. Okay. He's not just somebody who, who's come up and he's got 10,000 people relying on him to take care of them. Okay. He, he has a different, story a different path um a different just um i don't want to say philosophy because i don't know his philosophies but he's got just a different perspective and i think he can understand the sport side the the football side a little bit better um and i think he can withstand the 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 temptation a little longer because i think as as much of this team that we can keep intact for one more season we can make another historical season next year and really dominate this league and really put our rivals 
at our mercy. And I think that he he's a 30-goal scorer next year if he stays on this team. I really think so. Uh, just another year to work with these guys, and we'll bring in another player or two in the offseason, and this team will get stronger. It can definitely get stronger. And I think that this is that's where I could see this going. But, of course, that's a decision he, his family, his agent, and the club are going to make as to what happens at the end of the season. And I don't want to get ahead of myself because we have – Plenty of football still to play, of course. We have 10 finals left in the Portuguese League, or 9 finals left in the Portuguese League, if I'm not mistaken. we got a quarterfinal in the Champions League coming up. This little spoiler alert, of course, you know. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that Befica are in the quarterfinals of the Champions League, okay? We don't know the draw yet. By the time you listen to this, you will probably know our quarterfinal opponent because it's coming out in a matter of, you know, twelve hour, less than 12 hours from now. But... And that that will paint a picture for the rest of this Champions League and just what you know we can really do in it. But Benfica absolutely have to close out this title, no question about it. It's so close now, and um, these three matches we're talking about tonight were three very very well played football matches by Sporting Lisboa Benfica. There is no question about it, um, and I think we're on another uptrend, okay? I think we're starting to to work our way back to where we were pre-World Cup. And I'm going to say this because I said it at the time, and I believe this. And the slowing down during the World Cup, okay, rotating the squad in the, you know, it cost us perhaps the, the, the League Cup and whatnot. Um, but giving the players time off then, and bringing them back and doing basically another preseason. In the short term, I think it cost us the game at, at Braga. It probably cost us two points at home against Sporting. But now we are on the ascend again. As other teams are getting further into their season, and as they are beginning to start to plateau or even dip, because of fatigue and match, you know, uh, conge- fixture congestion and whatnot, I think our team is is starting to really increase. I know some people are calling for more substitutions from the manager, but I'm kind of the same way. When I when I I I like what I'm seeing from Roger Schmidt, and in this match it was it was Jans Vissing, but of course it's the same philosophy. He's working for for Roger Schmidt, and he he's following the commands of Roger Schmidt. But I think that. When the team is playing well, you minimize changes. We are potentially just a couple of weeks from having a double-digit lead. If we can win the next three matches, okay, we talk about having nine finals. Really, we have three finals in front of us now. Vitória Guimarães, Rio Ave, and Football Club do Porto. We win those three finals. We have a double-digit lead. Okay, and we can pop the champagne at that point, and then you can see the Bacalhau brothers. Okay, then you can see more uh, of of Jean Neves, Johnny Snows as I call him. Then you can see the Chernadors or you you can see um who you want to start looking at for next year. You can give some of the B team players a chance. Although the B team's got work to do. Uh they do have to manage to stay up in in the Liga Deutsch in the Liga 2, but that's a different story and the truth is, this, in regard to them, it's kind of off the topic, but in regard to them, some people are freaking out. Um, I think this is what the club and the staff expected this year. This was always going to be a transition year in uh, the B team. And just look at 
how many players are not there, right? Just look at we've got how many I mean in the at the beginning of the season the B team was counting on Antonio Silva. At the beginning of the season the B team was counting on, you know, Martinet. They were counting on some other guys, right? They were counting on even Enrique Araujo. And Enrique Araujo is out on loan in England. Uh Perhaps not going well, but you can't always judge anything by a loan because look at what Florentino has done on his return from loan after hardly playing in several or a couple different loan spells, right? Um, so it, it, you don't know, but these were all players that could have been in the B team and they'd be higher in the table if that was the case. A lot of pressure coming down and a lot of people don't want to see the B coach, Luis Castro, stick around. I think that it's his first year as a senior coach. And again, the objectives and the methodology of a B team are not the same. And it's not always about the results with the B team. Yes, they have to stay in the second division. They can't drop to the the third league like Sporting has. Although it, it, it's hard to get out of that league. As as you know, if you listen to Liga 3 English, you know how hard it is to get out of that league. Sporting are not going to get out again this season. Um, so it's, it's, you know, a, it's a difficult thing to manage, but it's also really sharpening the, the coals, if you will, the, you get diamonds from putting, you know, immense pressure. And I think we can be shaping diamonds in that B team. And I think we're going to have a couple classes of academy graduates coming through in the next couple seasons. And we're going to see another great class come through. That's the way it works when it comes with B teams and in player development. Things are cyclical. Even in the first team, things are cyclical to an extent um, at a club like Benfica where you can't just go out on the market and splash your money and replace everybody. We're seeing now the the, the peak of this uh, of this cycle, if you will. Um, and you're seeing Befica playing at its full potential in the first team. And I do think incorporating so many of these homegrown players has had its effect on the B team. But long term, I think you do trust you trust the process and you trust the course and you stay it. And um, literally, uh, worst comes to worst, they can send a couple players down to the B team after after these three important matches and you know solidify safety for next season that's not that big of a deal but i think we can start to see the bacalhau brothers as we call them right uh andreas schlanderlip and um casper tinkstadt we can see them uh, i think we're going to start to see more of them i think we're going to i'm hoping we're going to see sharon door too as well uh i was psyched that he was brought into the first team i know it's it's kind of uh been forced from injury, but I'm still holding out hope that he'll re-sign. And perhaps if we get him in the first team at the end of the season, get him a, a couple matches, get him a debut, he'll win a winner's medal, and he'll be bit by the Befikishmu bu- buzz of playing in the Stadio de Luge and um, change his mind and want to stay because I think he is a future talent, and I'd hate to see him leave for free, obviously. Uh, I'd love to see Benfica secure his services for some more time. And um, I think some of Roger Schmidt's calling him up is out of necessity and others isn't trying to keep this player, trying to sway this player to stick around. Um, But this game, like I said, finishes 2-0. 
And I mean, we could, I went through the stats. Like I said, it was a lot of possession and a lot of chances created. Fumalicon did what they could. They're not a bad team. They got a good manager. I think Juan Pedro Souza is one of the better coaches in the league. And uh, his assessment of the match, like I said, was was on point from what I saw sitting at home. And he saw it, you know, pitch side from the touchline. We didn't get to hear much from Jans Vissling in this one. Uh, Benfica didn't even post the the pregame the postgame press conference uh, on their YouTube channel. Uh, I appreciate uh, Roger Schmidt, you know, allowing uh, Vissling this much of the spotlight, if you will. Um, we've seen in the past when the manager suspended, he still ends up in the press conference. He still ends up in the flash interview. I remember when uh, Bruno Lage had had been sent off uh, and had to sit a match. We we heard from him still in the post game presser instead of Nelson Verissimo. Same thing happened later with Georges Azouz, and we we didn't hear from João de Deus, his his assistant, the first couple times that he filled in. It was only when JJ had COVID that we finally heard from uh, João de Deus, his 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 lieutenant, if you will, at that time, and we. I like to hear from them because they're the ones that sat on the bench. They're the ones that had the pitch side view. And I, I appreciate, you know, there is an interview out there. And I appreciate uh, Roger Schmidt giving this opportunity to Jans Vissling. As a former assistant coach myself, you know, that's uh, it's a big moment for you when you get to fill in and be the number one guy for a night. And uh, I feel like, if you, you know... It's great when you you go from being the guy that sits next to the manager and makes his suggestions, talks in his ear, and then you know talks to the players, and you get to talk to the press. It is it is a big moment for you. It's a step in your evolution, a step in your career, in your growth. And um, I think all around it was a very good, solid performance. And Benfica showed, as I suspected they would, that um, they were not going to be affected by not having their manager on the touchline that night. Let's move on to the Champions League now. Round of 16, second leg, and it is Benfica hosting uh, Club Bruges. And this one was played also at the Stade de Luz, of course. And we had an attendance on this night of 60,960. Uh, we broke the 60,000 fan mark once again um, for, I think, the second time this season, if I'm not mistaken. Uh very, very solid night, and I think that we need more nights like this. And the fans were just amazing on the night, and the the team was amazing. It was it was just a dream night in a dream competition. Okay, Club Rouge trying to salvage their season. They came in a down two nil on aggregate. Their manager Scott Parker had his back against the wall. Uh, this ended up being Scott Parker's last match in charge of Club Rouge. Uh, his final team would play in a 3-4-2. Uh, Simon Mignolet would be the goalkeeper. And he would have a three-man back line in this one. As he would have Clinton Mata, the Angolan international, as the right center back. The deep-lying central center back was Brandon Michele. And Abakar Sila, the Ivorian, was the left center back. The wing backs on this one. You had Kamal Soa, the Ghanaian, playing on the right. And you had the Dutch Bjorn uh, Meyer playing on the left. 
to double pivot in midfield. Kasper Nielsen, Danish center midfielder, playing next to the captain, Hans Vanneken, the Belgian central midfielder, and the two attacking midfielders in front of him uh, are two very talented players, actually, that I'm I'm a fan of both of them. I really was impressed. Despite in losing efforts, I was impressed. I'm familiar with this guy, Tejon Buchanan, former New England Revolution player, uh, Canada international. I'm very familiar with him. I've seen him play for the last couple of seasons. I'm a big fan of, of this guy as a player as well. Uh, his pace, the way he can run with the ball at pace, still has something to gain, still has a lot to improve on in terms of decision-making, especially in the final third. But he, 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 his wingmate on the other side is the Dutch Noah Lang, another player I was impressed with um, between these two matches and some of the Dutch league matches that I've seen. Um, I think he plays some really good football. Uh, he They would play behind the striker who we all know, uh, Roman Yadimchuk, our former striker. Was not here very long, unfortunately. But um, he gets the start in his old home stadium, hoping that maybe some sentimental value would, would you know inspire the Ukrainian to to get on the score sheet and to, to spark something in uh, this Belgian side. Who are struggling, struggling very mightily in the Dutch league, might I add. They sit right now in fourth place. They've come up a little bit, but they've got 49 points, and that places them almost that places them 18 points behind the leaders, uh, Genk at the moment. Um, Benfica would come out in their regular lineup. Okay, uh, a little, a couple of differences uh, to the team that faced Family Cone, but Odie starts in goal. No surprise there. The back line doesn't change. Ba, Silva, Otamendi, Grimaldo. Double pivot in this one was Florentino and Chiquinho returning to the ma- returning to the team uh, from injury. João Mario, Rafa Silva, and Auschnitz in the midfield behind the striker. Gonzalo Ramos, who once again is just on form, once again, just finding the back of the goal. Uh, where do we start with this one? Um, first minute of the game, we had a goal that was maybe one of the most beautiful goals I've ever seen Bevika score. Uh, brilliant passing. Uh, it starts with Gonzalo Ramos winning a ball out on the right center channel. He wins it on the outside of his right foot, cuts back, makes a pass. I think it goes to Tino to Chiquinho, back to Tino, back to João Mario who plays it again, they they work it around, it finds its way out to the right to 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 Auschwitz perhaps, if I remember correctly, and he plays the ball in behind for Ba, Ba runs onto it, plays it across, João Mario's coming across the face of goal, beautiful heel, heel click uh, as the ball comes through, he allows it through his legs, and then with his with his right leg, he he catches it with his heel, puts it in the far post for one of the prettiest goals I've ever seen in the what third, second or third minute of the match. Unfortunately, though, the VAR comes into play, the VAR, and it's ruled that in the initial play, Gonzalo Ramos is just a hair offside, just a toenail offside, and the goal is overturned. Unfortunately, it would have been the goal of the week, the goal of the month, Possibly Befica's goal of the season. But Befica stay at it, okay? Um, they showed right away they were going to be the boss in this match. And again, 60% possession in this one. A 3.35 XG, 20 total shots on goal. Finally, in the 
38th minute, uh, we get a ball sent across as it's played from, uh, if I remember correctly, the ball comes from Grimaldo. Uh, it's across, finds its way to Rafa. Rafa, rather than forcing a, a shot first time, brings it down, takes a touch, sets himself up for the Trivella, and hits it with the outside of his right foot, tucks it into the far post. This time there's no offside. There's nothing to check, nothing to overturn. Befica take the lead. The luge erupts, and Befica looks set to uh, see out this result. We've seen them this year, especially after the Enzo transfer, where the lead, they get ahead and they manage the rest of the match. Sometimes we want to see them, you know, pile on the goals and... Part of it is they're aware of just how many matches they still have to go, how many important matches. And again, the intensity of these matches are only going to increase as we go. And that's why we see them sometimes managing it and keeping the ball and being very, very patient when they got the lead. Um, it would break open, though, before halftime, okay? And we would find another nice play as the ball would come in and... It would it would find its it would work its way through midfield again. We'd eventually find Gonzalo Ramos in position, and I just said you know when we talked about the other ones, uh, this was a, a an assist from João Mario here in the forty fifth plus two, and it was just wonderful fashion. Again, I talk about the way this kid moves off of the ball, puts himself in good positions, and this was a goal that he created. I mean, he was marked. He brought the ball down. He faced goal. He, he It came from a reverse pass from João Mario. And then Ramush skips inside a couple of defenders. And he shimmies left and right. Creates the space he needs to for the shot. And then he buries a low, hard-driven shot past Mignolet. It's 2-0 before halftime. And yes, at this point, Benfica Nation is is going crazy as it begins to seem all but done because now that makes it 4-0 on aggregate. And Benfica just absolutely dominate this first half as it's it's just a fantastic performance. Uh, well on course now for a second straight appearance in the Champions League quarterfinals. We got those first half goals, Rafa and Gonzalo Ramos. And it's an uphill climb now for, for Bruges. They know it. They know they need a miracle to pull off a record-breaking Champions League run for them. Their mission gets very, very difficult when they fail to score in four and a half games now in the competition. Clue Bruges without a goal. Four and a half matches. In the 46th minute, uh, or at the start of the second half, rather. Scott Parker sends on Rafael Onyedika for Noah Lang. That's it for Noah Lang in this one. Um, he changes the look of, of the team and tries anything. But it's Benfica coming out of the gate again. And it's Benfica going hard. And in the 57th minute, it's Ramos again. And he he's he, he just kills Bruce in this one. Gets himself in, in great uh, position. Uh, nice, neat build-up. Auschwitz and Grimaldo combine on the left. And eventually, Grimaldo drops it. He drives it across the face of goal, I should say. Ramos loses his marker, one-timer, into the back of the goal. It is 3-0. Benfica flying, and we are beginning to sense that we are on a night that we are going to remember. A historic European night at the Luge. Double substitution then for 
Bruges in the 62nd. Ferran Jutkla comes on for Roman Yarumchuk. That's it for the former Benfica striker. On comes the former Barcelona uh, B striker. Also, Dennis Odoi replaces Clinton Mata. We get a substitution for Benfica. Double substitution at the same stoppage. Gilberto replaces Ba and David Nedge replaces Chiquinho. And Benfica changed their look, and it's they're playing with all kinds of uh, joy right now. That's all I can say. No pressure. They're playing with the ball. They're moving it around. They're they're combining. They're they're making Bruce chase. They're just frustrating the opponent, not letting them play. And in the seventy first minute, it is Joel Mario gets the goal that uh, he that he couldn't get in the. In the first minute of the match, and here he steps up, calmly sends Mignolet the wrong way on a pin. Um, and again, it's Gonzalo Ramos again winning this penalty, getting to the ball first, putting himself in position, and then being strong and taking the hit on his legs as the referee points to the spot. I think, if I remember correctly, uh, there was no call originally, and this was ended up being a VAR decision. So... The same VAR, the VAR taketh, VAR giveth as the VAR that took away our first goal. Gives us the penalty kick, rightfully so. Jomari steps up, like I said, calmly sends Mignolet the wrong way. 4-0. And we get a substitution now. Um, as we did see, uh, we did see Nicolas Otamendi go into the referee's book, which means he will miss the first leg of the quarterfinals. And, you know, I'm having small nightmares of... Drawing Manchester City and uh, having to face Erling Holland without without Nicholas Otamendi in that first leg. Um, by the time you hear this, you probably will already know the result of the draw. I sure hope it's not Manchester City. Um, I'd even rather take Real Madrid than Manchester City now that I uh, you know just because of that that matchup. But. Um, Given that uh, he's going to need to play in the next match, we see we see Moratu come on for Otamendi, and we see João Neves replace João Mario. Okay, so well earned rest for João Mario as well, and we get one last double substitution for the Belgian side. Antonio Nusa replaces Kamal Sowa, and Mats Rietz replaces Hans Vaneken. Uh, David Nerj makes it 5-0 in the 77th as he, it's more neat one-touch football. Just great ball movement. And it culminates in Nerj teeing up uh, after receiving the ball from João Neves. Johnny Snows with an assist. The kid gets an assist here as he plays a great ball across. And Nerj just picks up his head and drills the ball uh, low into the far corner with his left foot. Very similar to the goal he scored in Belgium. Just this time the pass came from his own teammate and not from the other team. And uh, 5-0 now. Benfica cruising. Fair In fairness, credit where credit's due. Bruges do get a snipe of their own. A, an absolute worldie of a goal. As it is Bjorn Meyer with his left foot putting it into the top corner. There's not a goalie. On planet Earth that was going to save this. It's 5-1. That's how this one finishes. We do see uh, we do see Lucas Verissimo get a few minutes at the end. Replacing Antonio Silva. Mifika soar, through the, soar to the quarterfinals. With a dominant 7-1 aggregate victory over Club Bruges. And Claudio, uh, Gonzalo Ramos scored twice for the inspired hosts. 
Rafa wins the man of the match, but the highlight of this is Rafa then, and the video's up on YouTube. You can see it. Uh, Befica have plastered it everywhere. It's on social media. of Rafa taking his man of the match trophy in the locker room as soon as the manager's done addressing the team, as soon as Rikosh is done addressing the team and Otamendi, the captain, uh, after they, they break, if, if you will, um, Rafa goes over to to Gonzalo Ramuz's, uh locker and places the trophy in his locker, gives it to him, says that he's, he tells him he's the real man of the match, and uh, you can see just the the honor and the joy in Gonzalo Ramuz's face for that recognition from a leader in this team, and I am surprised to say that, but Rafa has emerged as one of the leaders in this team. He leads by example. He's a quiet guy. He doesn't lead vocally, but he leads by example. And this is a huge gesture um, for a young player coming from a veteran. And I hope we get a couple more years of this Rafa um, because this Rafa really makes this team go. And uh, really, we are so much better of a team when Rafa is on this kind of form. Um, So... You know, we're, we're dealing with the injury to Gonzalo Gedge. Unfortunately, uh, he did have to have an arthroscopic knee surgery, but he should be back in about six weeks. Hopefully, uh, we get to see more of him. Um, and hopefully, I don't know if this is in the plans. I don't know what, what uh, Wolves' plans for him are. I don't know what his plans with Wolves are. I don't know if the club plans on making an offer, but I hope that we at least make an honest, solid offer to bring Gonzalo Gedge back next season. Uh, he was crucial at, at a key point. He came in and filled in when we had an injured Rafa. And remember, we had also an injured and recovering, coming back from injury, um, David Nersh. And this guy can play anywhere in the front three, and he could even play as the striker in an emergency if needed. Um, a guy like that is invaluable to a team, especially when you have championship and European aspirations. We could really use him. And I hope with the money that we've made on these sales that we can make a solid competitive offer to to get a permanent move or, or another year of loan. I don't know his contract situation. Probably should look that up. But if, if a permanent move isn't, isn't in the cards, perhaps another one-year loan from this player so he can continue to grow and find his form and he can return to being the player we know he can be. Lastly, we're going to go to the beautiful island of Madeira and how beautiful was that drone shot above the stadium with the mountains in the background in the ocean and all the houses around in the in the city of Funchal. Beautiful, beautiful setting. Unfortunately, Maritimo's club and their policies made it a very ugly afternoon for many Benficistas. Um, again, this stupid policy that these teams have of wanting to overprice tickets. This is where I get angry, okay? And I've gotten some responses saying, "Oh, these teams don't have money for they don't have money for security. It's for it's not for security. A family of kids is not a security risk. We have no rivalry with Maritimo. Okay, we're this is not Porto. Okay? These are the majority of these fans are Madeirans. They are from the island. They are Befiquistas from the island. I wouldn't be shocked that the that our overwhelming amount of them are also sausage of Maritimo. What Maritimo is, is doing, they are mistreating some of their own fans. I've gone over the attendances in the past weeks. I'm not going to do that tonight because 
of time constraints, but I will continue to read off attendances throughout the rest of the season. Maritimo are like the sixth highest average attendance in the league. Okay. Those people didn't just disappear. And maybe it hurts a little bit to be Maritimo and to see your own fans put on the other team's jersey once a year when Befica comes to town. Now, my, my issue here is not even with the price gouging. I think the home team, in my opinion, the market takes care of that. Okay, If people are willing to pay the 50 euros or whatever they're charging for, for seats, then that's what they're worth. That's how it works. My issue, though, is when you start to put that price tag on and then you start making conditions after the tickets have been sold, when the day before the match is when you announce that Benfica uh, you know, Benfica gear will not be allowed in the stadium. Now, I think they remembered the bad press that Fomali Khan got when we had kids sitting with no shirts on, roasting in the sun back when we visited them. Because they were wearing Befica shirts. We've seen the ugly scenes of how... And I'm going to... And it, this is not a, a thing because it's Benfica. Okay, I want to be very, very clear about this. I said this when it happened to that man, uh, that Porto fan with his daughter on his lap, getting absolutely verbally abused by Istrio fans. That should not happen in civilized countries. There's no excuse for that happening. Stop making excuses for it. There is no excuse. That's animalistic. Okay, if it means I'm sticking up for a Porto fan, that's what it is because they're hu- this is a, a, a man and his daughter. They are posing no threat to anybody. They're just watching the match wearing their team's jersey. Everybody in a free country, and, and they claim it's a free country in Portugal, and their government claims that they're this, this you know progressive nation with this forward-thinking attitude. In a country like that, Civilized people can sit next to each other wearing different color shirts. This isn't the friggin' Stone Age. Enough with this. This comes from elsewhere. This is not about security. Do not believe that for a minute. The people that go to these matches week in and week out say that this is not about security. What enforcing these things on on kids, okay, especially on kids, and I'll get to to kids in a moment too because that's also a hot topic in this one but i'm gonna try to to not rant too much because i got a lot to talk about about the women's team but listen this this is just embarrassing this is just embarrassing this this is third world mentality this is third world mentality that is absolutely embarrassing that you can't go you can you can take 50 euros from somebody to hand them a ticket but you really don't want them there right you really don't want them there you want the money but you and then again i was really really disappointed with the attitude of the maritimo manager after the match in the post match okay uh, his name is jose gomes who actually has been on our payroll before he had trained I uh, was going across the internet that he had one point in the early 2000s. He was a youth coach at our club. He's also been at our, at our rivals up north. Okay, maybe that's where this attitude comes from. But he's he's blasting his fans for supporting Befica. What what do you expect? What do you expect? And you turn it again. This is this is the same BS that we get from that president of that the blue and white prison stripes when he tries to make it north versus south. Right, and he talks about the centralismo. Well, here Jose Gomes talks about the island, and it's like again they root for the team from the capital. And I saw enough fans, 
just absolutely abusing their own and talking about their own because they happen to be pushing for the other team. Now, listen, if you ran your teams better, you wouldn't be in this situation, okay? If you ran your teams better, you wouldn't be in this situation. These fans, many of them are Maritimu fans the rest of the season. Their president, their head coach, their manager, their, you know, communication people, whoever's putting out these messages, clearly doesn't want these people to support them the rest of the season. Clearly, they want less support. This is why we have empty stadiums from north, central, south to the islands in this league. This barbaric attitude and this barbaric mentality. There is absolutely no no concept of customer service at all in this league to make fans take off their scarves and put them in barrels or wrap them around a chair, hoping it's still going to be there. Uh, after the match. This is ridiculous. Some people, these scarves mean things to people, okay? I have scarves, okay? I have one that was given to me by my grandfather, by my avo. He bought it for me the first time I saw Benfica at the old Stadio de Luge. I would never take it with me to a match because had I, I'd have to surrender it. That scarf has a more meaning to me, okay, than maybe even getting into one of these matches. It's got autographs on it from from Nuno Gomes to João Vieira Pinto, okay, Pringle, uh, Prudhomme. <laughs> I've got uh, Aaron Sanchez, okay. I've got I've got autographs from these guys on that scarf. And imagine I'm wearing it, and again, you you may you travel to this match. Say you come from another country, because there are tourists who go to matches too. You happen to be a Benfica fan. Um, say, or you're from the island and you haven't seen Benfica on the island in a year, okay? We haven't been there in a in a year, and you finally get to see your team. You take your kids, and now your kids have to take their scarves and put them in a bucket. They didn't make them take the jerseys off this time, and I think, again, like I said, that's because they didn't want the bad press of having kids walking around with no shirt on uh, in the winter, no less. Um, but... It's just, it's just barbaric. There's no place for that in a free society. And it's supposed to be a democratic country. And it, it's just vomit-inducing that every time. Why our fans, when we travel, are treated this way. Do they not want people in stadiums? What they don't want is they don't want the illusion... They want to create the illusion that the full stadium is there to support the home team. That's just not the reality in Portugal. There are many reasons for that. And I'm sorry, but the situations these clubs find themselves in financially is a lot of it down to their own mismanagement and their own incompetence. Portuguese clubs are incompetent by and large. Look what happens every year. Teams do well. There's a huge turnover. All new players come in. The coach leaves. Everybody leaves every season. And then, of course, they, they think they're going to solve this with centralized TV rights. And I'm back on this soapbox because, again, if I'm Benfica, what motivation do I have to share anything with these teams? I already go to their stadium, fill their stadium, sell out their ticket boxes. They get all that money from us, okay? And... 
we get treated like crap everywhere we go for the most part. Now you're going to do that and you want to take TV money from us as, as well because guess what? When the Portuguese league goes to a pay service um, as it it is, you know, Sport TV has the monopoly on it right now. But to subscribe, what clubs supporters are going to subscribe to Sport TV? Supporters of, of Befica, Sporting, Porto, Braga, and Vitória Guimarães, by and large. Okay. The drop-off after Vitória Guimarães for support in number of people drops off a cliff. So now you're expecting these five teams, and we have the biggest chunk of that pie, by the way, and everybody knows that, are going are gonna to just work to, to pay out these teams that don't make any effort to, to run efficiently. They run horrible customer service in their stadium. You go to a, a match in the United States, any sporting event, and you see customer service. You need something, you are assisted. Okay, they make all kinds of accommodations for people. I've been at, at games where they make a, accommodations, you know, for handicap ramps, where they make us a, a wheelchair space. There's none of that in Maritimo. There's none of that at Vizela. There's none of that at, uh, you know, at Portimones. They, what do they do with this money? They they may do business with these lousy sods that are also largely incompetent and now the big five as i'm gonna call us the five clubs at the top are gonna be footing the bill for the other what two top two divisions of portuguese football because the liga portugal is not just the first division it's not just the liga portugal b win it's the liga portugal sub seg as well the second division the liga two that's 36 clubs that are going to be basically subsidized by by the five at the top this is not the way revenue sharing works. The least these teams can do is fill their tiny stadiums in their cities, okay? The least they can do is get fans out. Before we can talk about sharing TV money, certain things have to go away. This policy about not wearing away colors needs to go away. And I think it's time, and I've said this, and I'm starting to see it be repeated. I'm not saying I gave the idea, but I've been saying this for over a year now. And I'm starting to see more and more people say this as well. Especially people in Portugal who travel to matches, who attend matches, saying that it is time for Benfica to stop, our fans to stop going to away games. You go to the city... You support the local businesses, the cafes, the the pastelerias, whatever you know, the restaurants. The you you buy a drink, you buy a, a gelade, you buy a coffee, whatever you want to have. Okay, you visit the local the local economy, and you, you you help them, but you do not give a dime to the club. You don't go inside the stadium. You stay outside it, and you you cheer from outside. We will hear it. The players will hear it inside the stadium. Everyone has a cell phone. You can watch the game on your cell phone. You can cheer along from outside the stadium. Clubs like Maritimo and clubs like Portimones can uh, listen to it and see that uh, see that spreadsheet with a lot of red in it. Okay, because no one will be in the stadium. No one's gonna pay fifty euros for those for those tickets if not for Benfica fans. 
and you start to do that. I I wish that we had the cohesion and the unity in the different supporters groups to come together to make a pact to issue a comunicado saying that if they are in the first division next year, Benfica fans will not travel to Maritimo, will not go foot in that stadium. It's going to take sacrifice. And it's the worst for the people that live on the island because Benfica only goes there once. And it may take sitting out one. But I tell you right now, if they fear any bit of losing that huge payday, you will see how quickly they drop it and how quickly they'll welcome those red jerseys and red scarves. You might even see the prices drop. You might you might even see those prices drop. If they really believe and you can convince them that and you may have to do it once. You may have to do it to one team where you don't enter the stadium and you you rob them essentially or deny them that huge payday and everyone else will drop it at that point. They can't afford to not get a full house when Befica come to town. These clubs nearly went out of business during COVID. They know what it's like. They have way more expenses <laughs> when they when they uh, than than they did then. Okay, it's possible. The other thing I'm thinking of is everyone in the visiting section or anywhere. If Benfica fans all wore black t-shirts on the road. Because they can't take that away. They can't tell you you can't wear a plain black t-shirt. And everyone will know why the entire stadium is dressed in black. Everyone will know that it is Benfica fans. And you're not going to hide it. Those are two things you can do. Will Will we organize and do that? Probably not. But I wish Benfica fans would do that. It will only take just one time. To change this and we would never see this ridiculousness again. Um, let me talk quickly before I get into the match about the kid after the match, right? Who goes up to to David Nerj, kind of overdoes it a little bit in my opinion. Drops to his knees and, and bows to David Nerj, begging for his jersey. And the clown show that is Portuguese football... The league blasts it around, right, making it a, a, a nice moment. And it was a nice moment. Let, let's let's see it for what it was. Yes, rules were broken, and there are some sort of, of legal measures in Portugal. Um, it seems like everybody gets away with everything there, but uh, they, did, uh, they did bring in the child's father for questioning um, how he got down there. Now, we're not getting the whole story either. For all we know... For all we know, he could have been the son. Uh, he was probably the the son of a Maritimo Sassio. Okay, he probably got down there because he knew a way down there. Because he's probably been down there before. Now the club was quick to say he's not a ball boy. That's fine. Maybe he. Maybe I don't know the story, but it, there's a million different reasons he would have gotten access to the field. And we're not getting any story as to the background as to who he is, how he got down there, okay? Nor should we really. This is a child. But anyways, there's a, there's plenty of ways that that could have happened. To, again, this is the same thing these people did with the kids that had to be shirtless back at the beginning of the season. They blame, They say it's horrible parenting for teaching kids not to follow rules. Well, I teach my son that if a rule is stupid, you don't have to... 
you don't have to follow it. Yes, you will have to accept the consequences for it. You weigh that in your options and you make an educated decision. You you weigh your options, you see the pros and cons, and you make a decision. Okay? Um, if a rule is stupid, you challenge it. This is what we do, once again, in free societies. We don't live in, in authoritarian, authoritarian, you know... <sighs> I thought the dictatorship died in 74, basically, right? Um, but... Maybe that's that's pushing it a little too far on my part. I don't know, but but honestly, these are the types of things you see in those types of societies, where you just accept every rule, no matter how stupid it is, and you follow it. No, when you buy a ticket to a match, you have certain in innate rights, okay, as a customer, and they don't know what that is in Portugal, in the majority of these stadiums. Um, and in the majority of these clubs. Okay, I am running long. I'm off my soapbox now. Um, anyway, that kid will have that David Nets jersey forever. Whatever the consequences were, it probably came out fine for him. So, uh, yeah, we may see more of this. And if you do, you deal with it. I, I, I go back to last year when the women's team won the title. Okay, they won the title at the Stadio de Luge. And a little boy jumped down and the security was ready to to, to tackle him. He went to Kika, and Kika goes, Calma. She just looks at the security guards, Calma. Common sense here, people. Let's use our common sense. We are human beings. We were given a brain to which we are able to process things. We're not, you know, we're not, uh, we we have the ability to, to make rational decisions. We have common sense. So, Again, the problem is people are just so triggered by Benfica and by Benfiquismo, and this happens every time we win titles. The red wave starts going, and there's no stopping it. I remember back to 2005 when we played Istriel, and they, rather than playing at their stadium, decided to rent the Algarve Stadium and fill it up with Benfiquistas. It was like a home game. And they got a huge payday for it. It was a smart decision on their part because the the rental fee was probably well worth the revenue at the end of the day. And you had Pitu da Merda, you know, talking all about this onda vermelha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now we uh, centralismo the capital and all that BS um, that it was handed to us. No, you know what? He's mad his team doesn't draw these types of crowds. That's what he's mad about. He's mad. That in his city, there's as many fans of our club as his. Okay, this is what happens. These clubs are, these clubs are triggered by this wave, and this wave is gonna continue through to the end of the season. We are going to win the 38 this year. I've never been more confident of anything. Okay, we are. It is almost in sight now. We say there's nine finals. There's three finals. If we win these three, we are the champions. We put Porto 11 points behind us. There's no coming back from that. They will be demoralized. They're out of Europe. They'll have their little Tassa to play for that was handed to them. And, you know, there is no stopping this wave when it gets to this point. All right, let's talk about the match real quickly. Another dominant performance from Benfica. Dominant performance from David Neres. I'll give you Benfica's 11. That's all you need to know in this one. Uh, 4-2-3-1 again. No changes. No surprises. Odi, Ba, Otamendi, Silva, Grimaldo, Chiquenzo, <laughs> Florentino Luiz. David Neres is into the starting lineup in place of Rafa. Rafa came down with the flu. 
uh, didn't travel. Um, Auschwitz, Engelsalu Ramush. Uh, also, um, the Befica were three hours late or something like that, arriving to the island the night before the match because of flight delays. And this is another thing that I'm sure stings Maritimu's president and their coach, and it stings Pitu da Costa <laughs> badly. This this airport was filled with Benficistas waiting to see their heroes. We get goals in this one from Neres. He gets two on this on the night. One at 45 plus three, another in the 57th. Uh, in between that sandwich, in between that is a goal from João Mario. He does miss a penalty on this one. Um, Alfredo on the Benfica podcast um, mentioned. No, I'm sorry, João Gonçalves on, on Fever Pitch mentioned that uh, he saw the turf come up when João Mario planted his leg, and he said the journalism is what it is in Portugal, and nobody made any note of it. Nobody said anything about it. Um, can't can't criticize anything about Maritimo, right? Um, they find the reason that the penalty was called, and they stick to that. They stick to to that criticism, and they criticize the referee. They criticize Auschwitz. They criticize everything, and uh, it's very one-sided. This is something we've dealt with forever. It's not going to change. Um, well, the more we win, the the more <laughs> the more it stinks. Just keep on hurting them with wins. That's all we got to do. Uh, this one finishes three 0 Again, dominant performance. Um, Absolutely fantastic. Yes, they had a goal called offside, which was rightfully called offside. Um, Claudio Wink with a, a very nice goal. He flips it, you know, over the defender's head, then hits it with his with his left foot, puts it in the far post. Um, but he's offside. It's not even close. And I'm seeing, I'm seeing the blue and white prison stripes put up pictures on, on social media that are clearly altered. They're clearly tilted so that it creates the illusion that the player's onside. Um, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. They don't know what to do with themselves. They can't accept that they're eight points behind, which they are for now. They will be more soon, I believe. And uh, they also can't accept that they're out of Europe. They they want to say they were the best team uh, in the in the tie. They had 180 minutes. They didn't even score one goal. Okay, you can't call yourself the best when that happens. They are they are salty. They are stinging. They are triggered, and I'm loving all, every minute of it. I'm here for it. Uh, may it continue. Good luck to Sporting Braga this week, by the way. Um, <laughs> good luck to them. Shout out to Dave Dave Pereira, uh, the Braga fan. Uh, I hope that his team comes up with a huge win this weekend and they can give themselves a chance to finish in second place. All right. Uh, let's not much of an analysis from that match, but you've listened to me now for a while. If you're still here with me, uh, here is the table in the Portuguese uh, Liga Portugal B win. Of course, Benfica in first place with 65 points. Second place, Porto 57. Braga right now in third, only two behind them with 55. Again, they win this weekend. They leapfrog them. Uh, for second place. Sporting just qualified for the quarterfinals of the Europa League. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but um, they deserved it. They were the better team in the two ties, in the two legs, excuse me, better team in the tie um, for much of it. They they were lucky to get out of the extra time without surrendering. Uh, the post came in handy. Adan came in handy. But this isn't you know their podcast. But I will I will give credit where credit's due. Just they they earned their spot in the quarterfinals. 
they're 15 points behind us in fourth place, and but they are 10 points ahead of fifth place Vitoria Guimarães, who have a three-point lead on sixth place Oroca. Um, seventh place Casa Pia continues to drop. They continue to drop points. They have 35. Okay, they're five points ahead of eighth place Famalicão. Ninth place is Huav. And 10th place is Boavista. All three of those teams on 30 points. Chaves is 11th with 29. Also on 29 is Vizela in 12th and Gilles Vicente in 13th. Portimones, 26 points. They're probably safe. They're 10 ahead of 16th place Maritimu. Who'd after this weekend and after this, I am rooting for them to go down. I want... Maritimo to go down. And I do believe they're going to get caught by Passos Freira. Uh, 15th place is, is Istriel. And I could see them going down as well. They got 22 points. Right now, they have a 6-point lead on 16th place Maritimo. But uh, they their form right now is absolutely atrocious. It's, it is loss after loss after loss. As I look at it here, they have lost 5 in a row and lost they have lost seven of their last eight. Um, and they are sliding down the table. Ricardo Suarez has a big job to do there. 16th place is Maritimo with 16 points. Only one ahead of 17th place. Passos de Ferreira right now. 16th place is a spot in the promotion relegation playoff against third place from the second division. Not going to have time to, to go over the second division today. But I will get to it before the end of the season. Of course, because our B team is in there and now in a relegation battle of their own. Um, 17th place for now. Passos de Ferreira, 15 points. Same 15 points as Santa Clara. Listen, Santa Clara also on absolutely atrocious, atrocious form. They have lost their last five, and they've lost... They have lost eight of their last ten, nine of their last eleven, ten of their last twelve. They have not won since November 14th when they beat Istriel. But with one win, they could be <laughs> they could be in that 16th spot. So uh, we may have a little bit of a battle here. Um, we'll see we'll see how it goes. But after this weekend, I am hoping Maritimo go down. I'm sorry to my friends in Madeira. Um, I know it can't be easy for them to to support both clubs. But uh, this type of of leadership deserves its place in the second division. And then they don't have to worry about Benfica fans anymore. <laughs> they won't have to worry about them at all next season. Uh, top goal scorers, as you know, uh, our guys are top of the are top of the scoring table right now. João Mario and Gonçalo Ramos, and um, they each have 15 goals. Uh, Fran Navarro is two behind them with 13. Taremi also with 13. Pot with 12. Simon Banza and Yeshupi. Yeshupa Nije, uh, Banza of of Braga and Nije of Bovista with 10 each. We'll see how that, that race goes down to the end of the season. Okay, quick break, and then we're going to talk women's football on the other side. This is Mr. Benfica's episode 156, the Mr. Michael Gustinho. Follow me on Twitter if you're still listening, at Michael Gustinho. That's at M-I-K-E-A-G-O-S-T-I-N-H-O. I'll be right back. Yeah. 
new but not truly different We got a ruling misfits, players and jocks While we playing the part of the coolest bitch Ain't a high school movie, had a brace like duty When the news hit them, only if you will listen Cause there ain't nothing new about the facts of life dudes so why don't you sit calm, if the shoe fits on Why don't you kick some, of that good shit that you spit Amusement fun, they get you sick for two spins at music 101, they get spun in the club all done Unless I go numb, make my flow dumb Go write a hit song called Fido Run So many idols come, so many idols go But in the end, man, I don't know <laughs> yeah. Welcome back to Mr. Benfica, episode 156 uh, We're going to talk women's football now It has been, the last time I talked women's football was November the 3rd And I am ashamed of myself um, So much has happened since then uh, Let's run down the matches, okay Obviously, Benfica's 10 players that were included in the Portuguese national team were crucial and were a big part of Portugal qualifying for their first ever Women's World Cup. Um, I think I'm going to do a special episode on that at some point. We have we do have an international break for the men coming up, so I'm hoping to use that time to uh, get some special content or some, some special topic episodes out during that break. Uh, Chloe also represented Canada at the She Believes Cup, as did um, as Nicole Raisla and Ana Vitoria represented Brazil at the same competition. Okay, we're going to go back now um, to where we left off in November. Okay, um, we I left you right before the 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 derby against Sporting. And it was going to be, let's see here, it was back on November the 5th, if I'm not mistaken, that that match took place. Yes, November the 5th was the next matchup, Uh, and it was going to be in Alcuchet, and it was Sporting, hosting Benfica. This was for the Liga, for the Liga BPI, at a time when the race was close, um, we, we traveled, and this was a huge, huge matchup. Sporting were still very much uh, angry about the way they lost the Super Cup. Uh, they had lost 4-1 to in, in extra time to us in the Super Cup uh, back in August. Now in November, the rematch, the first league match of the season. And we went into halftime, nil-nil in that one. And then in the second half, Chloe Lacasse scored in the 47th. But Claudia Neto, the longtime Portuguese international, would equalize in the 66th. And it looked like it was going to get a little bit... Uh, a little bit nervy. It looked like Sporting were gonna we're gonna get the point, but in the 90, 89th minute, excuse me, it was Valeria Cantuario with a big goal to land all three points to Benfica, and Benfica would would take sole control of the lead in the league uh, at that time. And that would give them some momentum now. Here we go into an international break after this derby. Uh, so Benfica wouldn't play again uh, wouldn't play again until November the 24th. And this was for the UEFA Women's Champions League hosting Rosengard at the Seychelles. And um, a very important match. This was the one of the final matches, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I'm not sure anymore what match day this was for the Champions League. Hang on. It was round three. So this was match day three. Benfica had been thumped by Barcelona and lost that heartbreaker to Bayern Munich in match day two. So here in match day three, they're hosting Rosengard. And a 23rd minute goal from Chloe Lacasse would be the difference in this one. Uh, We'll look a little bit because we do have the lineups to this one because SofaScore 
when you get to the Champions League, actually posts lineups. So uh, Benfica would go with Hutkosta in goal after, remember, Katie Talbert had played goalie against uh, against Bayern Munich in a match where Benfica were ahead 2-0, and they were Bayern Munich found the back of the goal three times in the final 10 minutes, if I remember correctly. So Ruth gets her spot back in goal here. Uh, interesting, Benfica's uh, first 11 average age was 25.3, very fairly young. The right wing back was Valeria, the center back pairing Carol and uh, Ana Saisa with Katrina Amado playing as a left wing back. Um, normally, oh yes, because Lucia Alves was suspended in this match. Okay, so that was the change that Felipe Paton had to make. I remember now Lucia Alves had picked up a, a sending off in the match before, if I'm not mistaken. Paulita's the captain along in midfield. She got Christy Uchebi to one side and Kika Nazare to the other. In the front three, Ana Vitoria, Jessica Silva, and Chloe Lacasse. And like we said, Chloe with the goal in the 23rd minute. Uh, and Befica, it would be a pretty even match against a team that's right at their level. But very, very important three points for Befica. I really think uh, any wins in the group stage is huge. Um, staying out of last place in the group stage is also huge. Benfica has done essentially sporting a huge favor. We, one more group appearance away from pretty much guaranteeing two Portuguese teams in the 2024-25 edition of this Women's Champions League. Granted, uh, sport, whoever comes in second Amar, uh, will have to go through a much more difficult route, the, the league route versus the champions route that Benfica has been able to go through the past two seasons. So um, for next season, though, it's still going to be just one. But this was big. Benfica would pick up a much-needed three points here at home against Rosengard. And from there, on the 28th of November, Benfica would host Sporting Braga in the Liga BPE um, against title contenders. And last year, we for, for a good stretch of the year, you had four title contenders in the league before Benfica and Sporting kind of pulled away. And then Benfica, you know, solidifying that at the end. Uh, in this one, you got Nicole Raisla scoring in the fourth minute, Ana Vitoria in the 19th, and Chloe Lacasse in the 70th. We've had a very, very good season from Ana Vitoria. I have to, I have to uh, mention that, and I believe her contract's up at the end of the season, and right now we don't have a deal for renewing it, and she is playing phenomenal football. She's probably going to have offers. Um, she's back in the Brazilian national team more regularly now, and she she's got some... She's she's getting goals this season. She's got assists. Uh, she's become an aerial threat as well. Uh, very very big jump uh, in level for uh, for Ana Vitoria here in 2022-2023. So three a nil win there in round number seven of the Liga BPI at the Seychelles. And then the next match would be on the third of December, just a few days later, a trip to face Athletic Oriens. And in Orain, and it would be another 3-0 victory on the road. A goal from Katarina Amado in the 31st, and two goals from Kika Nazaré in this one, 86th and 90th. Three more points for Benfica there, and now a return to the Women's Champions League and a trip to Sweden to face Rosengard. And this one, would we would see in the lineup, we would have... We would have an even younger Benfica team take the pitch. An average 28.24.8 years old, excuse me. Root again in goal. Valeria 
Ana Saisa, Carol Costa, and Katarina Malu. Same four as we saw before, so still no Lucy Alvesher. She must have been injured at this point. Uh, Pauleta and Christie, the double pivot in midfield behind a, an attacking midfield three of Kika in the number 10 role. Ana Vitoria to her right, Chloe Lacasse to her left, and the striker Nicole Raisla playing as a lone striker. Befica win this match 3-1 to one on the road. This is big. Again, Befica managed to win the winnable matches in both editions of, these, of this Champions League group stage. They did fall behind in the 30th minute. Olivia Skog would score for Rosengard. Seven minutes later, though, Chloe Lacasse would pull level, and three minutes after that, put Benfica ahead, going to halftime up 2-1. to one. And in the 47th minute, this was all in, in game time, a flurry of 10 minutes, uh, two minutes after the restart. Nicole Raislop makes it 3-1. to one. Benfica win 3-1. to one. They got six points, and suddenly there's hope of going to the quarterfinals, which is crazy to even think about. Um Considering especially that it started with a real bad beating at the hands of Barcelona. Um, after that, the twelfth of no uh, the eleventh of December, excuse me, Benfica hosting Valadares Gaia round nine of the Liga BPI, Katarina Madu, Nicole Reisla, Jessica Silva with a hat trick in this one, thirty-fourth, thirty-sixth, and sixty-fourth minute, and then as I said, Nicole Reisla in the sixty-sixth, and Katarina Madu in the eighty-fourth. Five and nil win for Benfica. They start catching their form. They host Barcelona, and this I really this match should have been at the Luge. Um, this was during the World Cup. There is no reason that this match was not at the Luge. I'm sorry. Um, I don't care what it was. Even if it, there was a Tasa de Liga game, you can you could. The Tasa de Liga could have been played at any time. Benfica has pull. Um, it's too bad that this wasn't played at the Luge. Benfica would lose uh, six to two, and. Um, Again, this is one of the best teams in the world, if not the best women's team in the world when they are all healthy. They still have their best player uh, missing at this point. Uh, she was still injured. And it, they they hung in better this time, I want to say. Uh, we look at the, the one thing you couldn't have, and this happened in both Barcelona matches. Okay, you can't allow them to score early because it makes it easy to pile on. And just like in the first match, in the second, Barcelona would score seven minutes very early in the match. But then Befica do stabilize, and they hold it. And they play well enough to keep it uh, close, okay? And then just before halftime, 45 plus 2, Claudia Pina would score for Barcelona, get an assist from Lucy Bronze. And uh, halftime, it goes in 2-0. And again, you come out of halftime, and you just want to keep it where it is for a little while and gain some confidence. But three minutes into the second half, Atiana Bonmati, she crushed us in the first game in match day one. In match day uh, five, she does the same. Another goal in the 48th. And then Ana Maria Kernogjevic would score in the 58th. Bonmati would get the assist on that one. Jessica Silva, though, would score in the 62nd. And this is a big accomplishment to score on this Barcelona team. Okay, this is a big accomplishment. Jessica Silva gets it, assisted by Pauleta. And then we see some massive substitutions for for. Uh, Barcelona, they switch four players in the 66th minute. In comes Caltenti, off goes Bonmati, in comes Ingen for Guijarro, uh, on comes Parajuelo for Krenagovic, and in comes Torrejon for Paredes. Um, Befica would make substitutions in the same stoppage as well. 
Uh, Nicole Raislow would come on for Jessica Silva. Andrea Norton for uh, Christy Uchibi. Those are wild there why Andrea Norton's minutes were being reduced. Not really sure what was going on. Sometimes it's it's hard to... Uh, to uh, notice, I didn't read the the lineup, and I should have because Lucia Alves returned to the lineup in this one. Uh, she would come off in the 67th for Valeria. In the 73rd, Nicole Raisla has her penalty kick saved, and that's just kind of the day, the kind of day it was. Uh, and then Mefica would suffer an own goal in the 80th minute. Uh, Ana Saisa would redirect the ball into her own goal, but they would get the final one here. Um, as in the 81st minute, Chloe Lacasse on a goal that was uh, set up by Ana Vitoria. Two to five here. Unfortunately, it wasn't the last uh, laugh. Um, in the 90th minute, Mariana Caldenti once again converts. Uh, she gets an assist from our old player, Jace Ferreira, who sets her up. And uh, again, Jace scored on us at the at the at La Masia. And uh, celebrated like she just played against her bigot, like she's playing against Real Madrid. I didn't like that. Here she comes on and immediately gets an assist again. And uh, we'd get another penalty kick, believe it or not, in the 90th plus six. This time it'd be on a Vitoria. And she would have her her penalty kick saved as well. It was that kind of night. We could have had four goals against Barcelona. This match could have easily been six to four, believe that or not. Um, but this pretty much... This put, you know, Benfica out of the quarterfinals, out of reach. And uh, it was a good effort, though, and it was a much better performance than we saw when they faced Barcelona at La Masia. And then they would take that three days later and have to travel to uh, to Vila Verde up north to play Lanc Vila Verde. That's in the Taça de Portugal, uh, the Taça first round, if, if I'm not mistaken. It was the... It was, it doesn't even say what round here, but it was the, it, it was Benfica's first match in the Taça de Portugal against Lanc Vila Verdes. Benfica go up there and win 2-0, two goals from Ana Vitoria, and um, confidence restored a bit. Um, on the other side of this was another, three days later, another Champions League match, a trip to Munich to take on Bayern. And Benfica would put up a, a good effort again, but Bayern just too strong. A uh, goal from Clara Buell and uh, two goals from Clara Buell would be the difference. 2 0 to Bayern in that one. And that would take us into the Christmas break. Uh, eliminated, uh, obviously, from Champions League, but a very respectable third place finish in Champions League. Very, very respectable uh, place in the Champions League. And um, with six points, you can't really ask for more considering who the other two teams in the group were. Um, Rosengard finished with no points, so there, there you go. Um, the Christmas break, we'd see the end of the World Cup, blah 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 blah, and we come back, um, and we would see Benfica uh, travel the short trip to Torres Vedras to take on Torres on the eighth of January, and Benfica was back in business on a size of would score. Kika Nazare would have two, Jessica Silva two, and Chloe Lacasse with one. And Befica would win 6-0 against Torreyens. Next match would be three days later. Tasset Portugal trip to Gaia to take on Valadares Gaia. This was a tough one. A 3-2 narrow victory for Benfica. I think uh, Filipa maybe over over-rotated the squad a little bit in this one. 
Uh, Benfica get helped by an Emma Gonçalves' own goal in the 28th minute. Then Andrea Norton doubles the lead. And then there's a, a lapse after after halftime as Valadarj would pull one back thanks to Inej Quiroga in the 54th. And in the 70th, Betinha would level it for for Valadarj, the Gaia, and this is a shocking result, and it seemed headed for extra time, but in the 90th plus two, Ana Vitoria comes in once again with another crucial goal, and Benfica managed to win 5-2, sorry, 3-2, and advance to the next round of the Taças Portugal. Four days later, another league matchup, this one against Amora, and this is an eight-nil thumping. Uh, you got a hat trick from Jessica Silva. You've got a goal from Marta Sintra, two from Marta Sintra, one from Ana Vitoria, one from Ana Saisa, and another from Pauleta. Eight-nil Benfica win, and uh, that probably closes down January. Um, no, we have another match. Then a derby. The the next derby. This is for the Taça de Portugal Feminina. This is when it really started to get fun. Uh, we hosted this one at the Estádio de Luz. We played Sporting at the Estádio de Luz on the 21st of January. And uh, we welcome our biggest rivals in women's football too. The Luge, 14 minutes in. We we picked up where we left off last season when we played them there. Uh, Jessica Silva scores in the 14th minute. 1-0 to Benfica. In the 18th minute, Jessica doubles her tally. Doubles the team's total. 2-0 after 18. And in the 30th, Ana Vitoria makes it 3-0 to Benfica. She would double her tally after the break. 51st minute, 4-0 Benfica. 75th minute, 5-0. Thanks to Christy Uchibe. And... Um, <laughs> this is the point where Spartan got very, very salty. Uh, their manager, normally very calm, even-mannered, um, their manager, Marta Cabral, sent off after she thought that uh, that uh, Spartan should have been given a penalty. It was not even close. And uh, <laughs> the, the referee had no choice but to send her off. I don't know why she wanted to be sent off so bad, uh, knowing that there was a second leg coming right up. Um, just four days later. Uh, but Befica win 5-0 at the Luge against Sporting. Second leg was, like I said, four days later. Um, actually, this was the league match. So this it is the second leg. It's got Benfica listed as the home team both times, and I don't think that's right. I think this one was at Alcushit. Yeah, this one was at Alcushit um, on the 25th, and you get a goal from... You would start with a goal from Chloe in the 16th. They would double that in the 42nd. It'd be 2-0. And and I must mention, I believe this was a game where Sporting did not allow Benfica fans to enter the the Alcushit, the, the, the pitch or the stadium there at Alcushit. I believe there was a very, very small contingent of Benfica fans allowed in. Very, very minimal. I think they held it to the 5% minimum that they're required to, which at Alcushit was about 20 people. Uh, it was a very tiny section of sport of Benfica fans. Everyone else sporting in a lot of empty seats because I guess that's the goal here. That's how you promote a sport in Portugal. But two nil at halftime. Chandra Davidson, the Canadian, would would pull one back for the Leoish, uh, making it two to one. But then Jessica Silva in the sixty eighth made it three one. A few minutes later, Fatima Dutra sent off with a straight red card. Remember, Mariana Cabral is not. Uh, she is not 
managing this match. Uh, she is she is uh, suspended. This yeah, and then there's the League Cup one coming up afterwards. But uh, they would see Sporting again just uh, just a few days later, just about a week later, two weeks later. But um, Kika would would finish it out four to one. She had a great uh, post match interview in the Flash in the Mix Zone. And the Sporting uh, assistant coach who who had his flash even you know um, praised Kika and praised Benfica for their great play in this one. So Benfica through to the semifinals of the Portuguese Cup. Okay, uh, this was not the Portuguese Cup. They had already now this is making sense. They had already SofaScore really needs to clean up here with their coverage of Portuguese women's football. But they had already won the cup. The cup game was one leg. Uh, and that five nil win was a one leg victory over, um, over Sporting in the cup, and this was the League Cup to make it more confusing. This was the first leg of the semifinals of the League Cup, so Benfica would take this four one uh, lead into the second leg, and this one was at Al. This was not at Alcochet. This was at uh, at Seychelles. Now I remember this very very clearly, and. Um, we go to the the second leg would be just a few weeks. There's two games in between these two legs, and you have Maritimo uh, hosting Benfica on the island. Benfica again. This is a pitch that scares me. This is where Nicole had her knee torn up last season. Um, but Lara Martins would 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 debut and score in this one. But first to be Nicole Raisla scoring at the pitch where her knee, you know where her knee died a miserable death last season. It had to be traumatic returning to that that artificial pitch. In the 58th, it got scary for a moment. This is round 12 of the League of EPI. Tell Mike Kudinasson, we talk about her every time. I don't know why she's not on Befica, why Befica haven't made a push to bring her in. The rumor is she does not want to leave Madeira. She wants to stay at Maritimo. Um... And she makes it 1-1, but in the 66, Chloe puts Benfica back ahead. And then in the 90th, she makes it 3-1. And then, as I said, the debutante, Lara Martins, would score in the 90th plus 7. 4-1 victory for Benfica to take back to Lisbon. Um, and they would face the next weekend, Albergaria at the Seychelles, or perhaps this was in Cova de Piedad. Um, I didn't even get into Cova de Piedad in this episode. <sighs> There's some new Portuguese soccer news. I will I'll I'll speak on it in the in the next episode. Um nine nil win over Albergaria here. Jessica Silva with two. Marta Sintra with one. Ana Vitoria with one. Chloe with one. Nicole with one. Then uh, Bibakaj, as she's called by the team. Uh Bibakaj Beatriz Nugueira, real name, would score two, one in the 78th, one in the 81st. Kika would score in the 88th, nine nothing to Benfica in this one, and then the second leg with with Sporting. Uh, if I haven't confused you enough, this one is at the Alcochet. This is where the five percent uh, quota for Benfica fans was enforced, and Benfica just destroyed them again. Although Ana Capita put put Sporting ahead. Remember, they're behind four one on aggregate. And uh, she makes it 4-2 here. Gives them some hope. And then Jessica Silva scores in the 39th. After halftime, Kika Nazareth in the 50th makes it 2-1 on the night. Ana Capita scores again. Um, she's a petulant child when she plays against Benfica. Um, 
but she does have two goals here. Uh, Kiko would score again in the 57th, so this is a nice battle between the two of them. Marta Sintra would would score here. Yes, this is what happened. Marta Sintra would score in the 89th to make it 4-2. The returning Mariana Cabral would once again be sent off for for verbal abuse on the referee. I don't know what she expected here, but uh, she would be sent off again. Benfica win 4-2 on the night, 8-3 on aggregate, and they book their spot in the final of the League Cup. They will play Braga. That's coming up in April, if I'm not mistaken. Um, from there, we had the stop for the World Cup playoff. The Liga BPI stopped an extra week early before the international window because Portugal was traveling so far. They went to New Zealand. We now know what happened. They won a, a friendly against New Zealand 4-0 and then beat uh, Cameroon 2-1 to advance to the Women's World Cup. I cannot believe I'm saying that. That is such... That was impossible when I started following women's football in Portugal somewhere around 2008. Okay, that was not even conceivable of Portugal qualifying for a Women's World Cup. And um, it's it's unbelievable. And the one thing I didn't like about the coverage, I'll just leave it at this. And again, I'll probably do a separate episode about Befica's involvement in this Portuguese team and getting to this World Cup. And maybe I should save it for them then. And um, I just don't like the way everyone got congratulated on this except Benfica. There's something very obvious. Okay, I'm going to say it plain English right now. Five years ago, Benfica started women's football in the second division. Since then, the Portuguese national team has gone up like 30 places in the rankings. Since then, Benfica have become the main team providing players to this national team before that they were mostly there were some players playing abroad and then actually most of them played abroad some played for Sporting, some played for braga but the league was not very competitive so most of them played abroad most of the national team players have returned to portugal playing for either benfica or Sporting now okay and everyone got and justifiably so everyone got congratulated they mentioned everyone except Benfica, and the Federation will not do it. But Benfica is a huge reason that this Portuguese national team is going to the World Cup. I'm going to say it here, and when I talk about this more in detail, I will probably go off on it. Um, After that break, March the 5th is when they finally return. uh, A trip up north to to face Lankville over this. And this is just a dominating performance by Benfica. A 7-1 thumping of Lankville Verdens. They would fall behind, though, in the 10th minute. Francisca Silva would score for Vila Verdens, but then Benfica takes over. Jessica Silva in the 11th. One minute later, pulls level. And Paulette in the 43rd. 45th plus one. It's Jessica again. 3-1 at halftime. Then Chloe scores two minutes after the start of the second half. Uh, three minutes later, Kika scores. Four minutes after that, Kika scores again. Uh, and then the 78th, it is Chloe once again making it uh, 7-1 to and putting Benfica in good position. Three more points for for the Lady Aguias in the Liga BPI round 14. And Benfica right now uh, just per- still perfect in the Liga BPI. Uh, their next match in the Liga would be at Fumalico. And uh, they, would, they would travel to face them. And... 
I think there was some chicanery here from Fumalicone because this seemed to be too easy of a result, in my opinion. Benfica win. They win uh, 5-0. We would see Jessica Silva sent off, however, in the 71st minute. But before that, we had Chloe scoring in the 13th. Kika in the 18th. This was on uh, this past weekend on the 11th of March. And then after the break, Chloe again. That's when Jessica Silva gets sent off five minutes after that. But then Nicole Raisla with a double in the 78th and 90th plus three. 5-0 thumping of Fumlico. And why I think this was chicanery was because Mefica and Fumlico met again yesterday, um, the 15th of March. In the first leg of the Portuguese Cup semifinals, if you're not confused yet, okay, this is the Portuguese Cup semifinals. Befica hosting Famalicão at the Seychelles. And Kika gets the, the game off to a great start, as you would expect. 14 minutes, Befica ahead 1 0. Surprising uh, response from Famalicão in the 31st minute. Marie Yasmin. De Anjou would score for Famalicão 1-1, but before halftime, 45th plus 5, Kika Nazareth scores again. She doubles her tally. Benfica go in up 2-1. Remember, this is Portugal, so the semifinals have two legs for whatever reason. It's the only round that plays two legs, but that's Portugal. Maria Miller levels for Famalicão in the 47th minute, and it's it's 2-2. And what is going on here? We just spanked this team 5-0, and now it's 2-2 in the second half. And we're in the 30th. Uh, Ana Vitoria with a brilliant header. Uh, she scores. It's 3-2. Three minutes later, Maria Campinu, Mariana Campino, excuse me, levels for Famalicão. And Famalicão, hold on. And this one is going to the second leg all level at three, which means Benfica have to go back up there. They have to go play on that artificial surface once again at Family Co. on their training, what is their training pitch, where their B team plays, where their youth teams play uh, on the artificial uh, synthetic training pitch. Anything can happen, and we've seen Benfica squander cups the last couple seasons, and this was the most recent match. Benfica drop. Uh, they dropped the results. Of course, the second leg is not until the end of April, and uh, they do have the Portuguese Cup, uh, the Portuguese League Cup semi-final uh, before then, not semi, but the final. Uh, here is what's up next for Benfica. Okay, uh, we have the next match now will be the 19th, which is this weekend. Benfica hosts the Mayans at home. The following week, the 26th of March, it's another derby. And it's at the Luge again. This is announced this week. Benfica versus Sporting at the Luge on the 26th of March. I can't wait. I hope it's 5-0 again. It is so much fun playing them at the Luge. Okay, that closes out the month of March. And then there's another international break, I want to say, because we don't play again until April the 16th. And that is going to be round 18, Benfica versus Braga. Um there should be a League Cup here somewhere, but it's not mentioned. The League Cup doesn't look to be on the sofa course schedule, but uh, I th- it's probably, I'm on, I bet you it is the week before this, and that is why there's a week off. Uh, now that I think about it, it's not an international break. It is probably a, there may be an international break. I'm not sure. Somewhere in here, there is a League Cup final, and when it becomes more available, I will update 
everybody, of course. But it looks, according to this, it's round 18 of the Portuguese league. And it is Benfica host, uh, traveling to Braga to the Primeiro de Maio. And then after that, they will face uh, Atletico Oriens at home. And then they'll have the Portuguese Cup semifinal, second leg on the 30th of April, and then three games in May to close out, and hopefully a cup final to close it out. All right, here is where we are right now in terms of the championship. Uh, the Liga BPI, you have Benfica in first place, perfect. 15 matches, 15 wins, 45 points, 73 goals scored, four allowed I don't know how we gave up three in one Natasa game when, unless I didn't get a chance to watch it and they don't post the lineups. So unless uh, Philippa rotated too much again, um, she does have a hard job of trying to find time for everybody in these matches, but trying to get keep everybody competitive. Uh, Braga right now sits second on 35 points level with Sporting, who are also on 35 points. They each have 11 victories, two draws, two defeats. Uh, the Mayans, the surprise of the season, are in fourth with 31 points. That's a very, very good season for the Mayans, uh, the side from Amadora. Fumalicão all the way down to fifth now. Lankvilleverdens are sixth. And then in the after that, it is the teams fighting to stave off a relegation. Seventh place belongs to Valadares Gaia with 14 points. 13 for Albergueria. Oriens is ninth on 12 points. And then you get into the relegation playoff spots right now. Uh, 10th place is a relegation playoff spot, and it belongs to Torreyens. They have 11 points. 11th place is also a playoff spot. It belongs to Maritimo. Okay. Uh, Maritimo in danger of being relegated both in men's and women's football this year. They have only nine points. Is Telma Incarnação going to stay on Maritimo if they get relegated? I want to see her at Benfica so bad. Okay, and Amora uh, are 12th with only three points. But the good news is they did win their first game, not this past weekend, but the one before. Um, that was their first points. So they are almost there in the automatic relegation spot, and I don't see them getting out of it. There are some good teams in the Portuguese second division. Um, one of them is in the semifinals of the Portuguese Cup. And uh, the name of the club, it's not one you would recognize. It's one of these sods that started a club. But um, it I forget the name of the club now. But they are in the Portuguese Cup against, uh, they're in the other semifinal. They actually drew with Braga this week. Let me. It's Racing Power Football Club. That's the name of the team, Racing Power Club. Um, they just drew with Braga in the Portuguese uh, Cup just the other day, they drew nil-nil at their home pitch. Um, and they actually played with with uh, 10 players the last 10 minutes and hung on for that result. Uh, they are, I'm not sure who they are. They are a for-profit club, I want to say. Uh, probably foreign-owned and wanting to get into the Liga BPI fast. I believe they are top of their table in the Portuguese second division. Um, I think they're dominating, to be honest. They have teams, uh, excuse me, they have players that have been on our team before. They have uh, recognizable names. And perhaps if we can get to the final, maybe we'll play them and I'll be able to learn a thing or two about them. But uh, they are on good form. And actually, I do have something here. Um, they, 
they play in the Nacional Femenino. Yeah, and it, it, it just links to the first division. So I'm not exactly sure how they're doing. I'll do some homework on that. Okay, uh, we've got, like I said, more coming this week. And uh, that really does it for this episode of Mr. Benfica. Pretty long one. Um, a lot to cover. I think we're all caught up now. Like I said, Benfica's women play the Mayans on the 19th. That is this weekend. Uh, they host them, so it'll be on, on BTV. It'll be on Sunday. It says at 11 o'clock, might, uh, I don't know if that's 11 o'clock in Portugal or 11 o'clock here in the East. It's probably 11 o'clock in Portugal. That is a time slot that tends to belong to uh, La Liga BPI. And, um, yeah, Benfica Damayens first versus fourth. Uh, so they'll be, I'll have an episode. I'll either combine the episodes this weekend and, and recap the men's match and the women's match, or I'll do separate ones depending on what kind of time I have. Um, Liga Trish English will drop some point on Friday, um, on Friday, March the 17th. If you listen to this, it's probably already in your podcast feed. If it's not, it will be later today um, because we finally had a draw and we've got the promotion stage and the relegation stage all set, uh, the phases. Uh, the groups are set. The, the 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 calendar is set. So I'll go over all that on the next edition of Liga Trish English. That is it. I do ask you if you can be ever so kind to check out my new podcast, Birth of a Soccer Nation. I've posted a link to the uh, to the show, uh, Spotify link in the show notes. Okay, and I'm realizing some of these these um, platforms don't link these links in the show notes. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to link them as a URL so that you can copy and paste them if you if if you would like to, because um, it's not showing up on many of the searches yet. So I'm really trying to gain an audience for that. Uh, please give it, especially if you live in the United States and you like soccer. It's a history of American soccer, okay? Uh, I'm having a blast recording it, but it is a lot of work. So I do uh, I do like when people listen to it because it, it, it takes up a lot of my time. But it is a blast to learn this much. So please check that out, okay? And I'll catch you next time here on Mr. Benfica. This is the Mr. Mike Agustinio signing off. Carrega Benfica, Forza Benfica. Remember, hashtag, if you love football, you love Benfica. I'll see you next week. You Benfica Gagnon!